Apple's new iPad Pros offer all the bells and whistles you can ask for, from a new display to 5G and a new, more powerful M1 processor. But at a starting price of $800, who is this for? I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. Here with this assessment of the new iPads is our tablet expert and amateur magician, Scott Stein. Welcome, Scott. Hi. Hey, thanks, Roger. So fresh off the craziness of Google I.O., this isn't stop. You're already on to the next thing. So, Scott, you've got your review of both of the iPad Pros. What is your overall assessment? Yeah, so it is kind of a classic Apple story. Uh, if you have been looking at the way that they have been unveiling their iPhones over the years, which is that every year you tend to get a, a one with a new, better processor, nicer features, uh, and a price that may stay the same or may creep up and you know get to really high levels. I think that's the story of the iPad Pro this year. You know that the features, the M1 processor, which is the one that's on the Max, um, is equally fast in our benchmark tests, but it's a different story on the iPads because the M1 crossed over to a new threshold for the Max on battery life and fixed a lot of problems on Max where they were really chugging on some everyday stuff like you know how many Chrome tabs you could keep open. The iPads are, have already been really good at being efficient for what they do. So these are faster, but they don't have a new OS. We'll get to that in a sec. But the display, which is only on the 12.9 inch, is, is pretty fantastic. But it's, it's very equivalent to if you imagine an OLED display um, on a 12.9 inch iPad, that's pretty much what you're getting, even though the tech is mini LED, which is a little different. Um, but the controlled backlighting that it does and the black levels um, really close the gap. But it's it's a nuance, you know. This is something that I think the iPads already have displays that are generally better than what you get on the MacBook Air, for instance. And then 5G is an option that's an expensive one, $200 more just to have the ability to connect it. And unlike a phone where you're going to obviously have cellular. So... It worked like you'd expect 5G to work. It's nice to have it versus the Macs, which don't. But um, I think what it adds up to for me is it, it's an obvious powerhouse. But I think like previous years, we're wondering, well, when will that be unlocked to a greater degree? And we're on the verge of, of WWDC and what we should hear about the next iPad OS. Like you can't multitask beyond a certain limited number of, of ways on the iPad. And you don't have any of Apple's real pro apps showing up on this yet. Right. So let me, let me before we get all of the nitty gritty, because I want to talk about the price. I mentioned it starts at $800, but you can sort of break down what the starting prices are for these two models and really what you're realistically going to be spending if you factor in some of those key accessories that you probably want to have. Yeah. So let's break it down. It's, re it's really, this is an over $1,000 tablet because the $800 uh, entry point for the 11 inch, sure, that's there. That's for 128 gigs of storage. You can always plug in, there's Thunderbolt now, so you, you could connect an external storage option, but it doesn't work the same way. You know, you're not gonna be able to, to have apps on it. You could use it for external media. Um, so you're gonna wanna bump up the storage possibly, and then you're gonna pay up. Um, you know, the 12.9 uh, starts at 1099, $1,100. Then none of that comes with the accessories. So you, you know, you're gonna be looking at maybe a keyboard, like the Magic Keyboard is over $300. The Apple Pencil, $100 plus. And, um, you know, you're, you're going to add a chunk of change if you want to do any of those interaction type things or use it as a laptop. There are third-party um, keyboard accessories like with Logitech, but there are a limited number of them and they're still not that cheap either. 
And for configurations, you keep in mind that as you bump up the storage, you can go all the way up to two terabytes, which is only if you're an aspirational video uh, editor using an iPad, whoever that might be. Um, but uh, you get a RAM bump when you get to one terabyte. Now, my review was with the 16 gigabyte RAM version, which Apple sent with one terabyte. So I don't know what the eight gig RAM uh, configuration is like. Um, it probably will not hold as many apps in memory at the same time for swapping between them. So uh, that- And for, as, Scott, for reference, how much does that retail for your, the tier that they sent you? Yeah, so the configuration Apple sent me, just for the tablet, one terabyte on the 11 inch version uh, with cellular option, that's $1,700. Oof. And on the 12.9 inch, $2,000. That is an expensive tablet. That yeah, that is that is a lot of money. I mean, that's you're talking about some very fancy laptops, some some serious hardware. So I have to ask, uh, especially if since they sent you this this tier, I mean, who who exactly are these iPad Pros for? Well, for people with a lot of money, definitely, clearly, but also you know, and I think that it depends. You can get off this train at any point. So like you know, the the iPad train starts at like $300 and then you can kind of creep your way up the way with configurations or jumping to the next model you get the iPad Air then you know you can you can play this couple hundred dollar game all along like the iPad Air is was it 600 then you could say oh maybe I just jump up to the $800 iPad Pro which has like a better processor and the microphones and the speakers and cameras and then you can keep climbing through the rest of it so that's the thing is who is it for depends on where you want to get off that train. Yeah. But I think what their aspirational thing clearly aimed at graphic designers, clearly aimed at, at, at even video editors. I think I have a hard time with the video editor part because they don't even have their pro video editing suite on this. Mm. Um, when it comes to graphic tools, there are things the pencil can do uh, with apps that are not available on the Mac. And I think that's been very clearly proven that this can be a really killer uh, tool. Now, I mean, if you were a graphic designer who's making money and you want to have a great display, you know, you want to get a, get something for yourself, go ahead. But I think that as it flexes to all the other uses, is this your everyday computer? I think the, um, the appeal of it really changes. And I think that, look, look, everybody's already using an iPad. Is it a computer thing? It's kind of silly because in my house, people use iPads. Everyone uses iPads as a computer, but the question of can it step in for what your laptop does is always a bit of a weird thing. It's, it feels awkward at times. The way iPad OS works with files, I still find it, I go back to a MacBook for things at work, filing the review. I mean, I tried to work on the iPad as much as possible to do the whole review. I'm going to go back to a laptop. But I think that as we're close to WWDC, it seems like the, the chip story connecting through to the Mac suggests that Apple could be building um, a computer ecosystem that shares even more things with, uh, with each other. But that's, that's up to Apple, you know, like, are they going to unleash? Um, the one thing also to keep in mind, things like Thunderbolt, I kind of skipped over in the review because I don't have a Thunderbolt dock, but also how much are those accessories going to play in? Like a monitor... Um, Apple talks about how it can work with even higher resolution monitors. But my 24-inch Dell monitor at home, 
which I have, I connect with the new iPad Pro, you know, it does not allow you to put a second set of apps on that monitor. iPad OS doesn't work that way. It, you need a specific app that enables that output, which is a very small handful of apps. So you're just mirroring at a letterboxed, not great way, which is nothing like what a monitor is for a Mac. Right. So Apple could totally un unveil that. Like I would expect at WWC, that would be a classic thing they would unveil to say now you can have a second screen of iPad, which would make sense with the RAM and the processor. But you don't know. I can't say it's going to happen, so you can't bank on that. And to me, I'm not rating it yet because I want to see what they announce there, but also how optimized apps work. I didn't get to review this with M1 optimized iPad apps. They haven't been available yet. Procreate is going to have some new stuff with 3D models. Divinity Original Sin 2, which, I mean, it's a game, has some like split screen features. You know, you kind of want to see what else it can do. And I think like to Apple's credit, the iPad processors have already been good enough, even going down to the $300 one. So I think that's how I feel about it right now. Yeah, I, look, it, it, I think that's a big question for me too is, you're spending this much, particularly the M1 processor, which they spend a lot of time focusing on. I think there's a lot of questions about whether or not there's anything that really takes advantage of all this extra horsepower. And if you're really just, if you're buying this, like uh, it's just, it's almost too powerful for its own good. Uh, I want to segue a bit, just sort of looking at, you know, we talked about some of the features and some of the things you liked. Was, was there anything you didn't like about these new iPad Pros? Was there anything missing? Or is it just sort of a lot of questions about what this will be used for down the line? No, it's, I mean, first and foremost, the software. You know, uh, what's missing is that software that can take advantage of this. And Apple sometimes seems like they get a little sick of hearing questions about that. But so what? Because it, it begs the question, you know, like the iPhone uh, is its own platform that uses its its processor for all sorts of things. The iPad leans towards com towards the traditional computer, but, but stays apart from it. So it's an awkward uh, kind of an uncanny middle zone. And I think right now, like the split screen apps and the other things, like it, it is obviously capable of doing far, far more than that. And uh, it's, it's really hard to, to feel uh, hidden, you know, to, be, to, to feel shackled a bit by it. And the other thing is that as a result, like I kind of feel, feel sheepish when I review it, like, oh, am I pro enough to be using this? Like, you know, I think, well, I'm a terrible artist. I'm not like, I'm not like a super graphic designer. Like, what am I gonna show you? Sure, you'll see people doing stuff, but you kind of have to lean into that. The stuff I do is a lot of tabs open, a lot of windows. I want to keep everything running at once. And it's hard to even get to a state on an iPad where you can even set that up and, and show that. Um, but going to back to another clear missing thing, the it's nearly perfect hardware-wise. Like, I, I think it's really great. The camera on the front is there's a, a little misfire. Like, the, it has center stage, which is this auto-zooming feature. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Like, is that is that is is that actually what it's hyped up to be? Like, able to track you as you're moving around? Because that seems useful for Zoom calls or FaceTime calls. Does it actually work as advertised? The tracking is really cool. Like, I don't know how much I'm actually getting up and moving when I'm doing Zoom. Like, usually not. But um, it reminds me of Facebook Portal, which I've used. And if you're doing a big chat with family, that's really nice. Um, I didn't do big group chats. I, I need to actually do that to see how well it keeps the whole family in. But I think that's obviously a feature that should be on other Apple products, particularly Macs. Um, 
But the weird thing with the iPad is that they kept the camera placement on the edge on these. I call it the side. It depends on where you're putting it. But if you're docking the iPad and a keyboard like a laptop, you're going to want that camera to be where the laptop camera is. That's the standard webcam placement for video chats. And on iPads, as you probably know, like if you're doing a Zoom or something, you're looking off to the side, basically. And it's weird. People don't really, people are used to it, but it's like off-putting. And on this, it's exactly the same way. So I thought it was going to fix that when they first started talking about it. I got really excited. Then I realized it wasn't fixing that. And uh, I'm pretty bummed because if they just fixed that, this would be the ultimate web chat camera. Like I would not want to do any Zoom or anything on any other device. But right now I'm definitely doing Zoom on another device. Like I'm not going to look off center for, for, for things. And so... I think they need to fix that. And now you're going to be waiting till next year's one. So right. um, I think that's the biggest missing feature. I think the Magic Keyboard's really good. It's just expensive, you know. Um, but I really like the keyboard and the trackpad. I think what they've done with that as, as, a, as a piece of hardware gets to everything about the feel of a laptop that I'd want. But it's not software-wise enabling me to do it. So... You know, battery life TBD because I, I admittedly I didn't do full battery run tests yet, mm-hmm. but also their their claims remain the same. And using it every day and doing things, I played like Roll Twenty D and D with like neighborhood friends mm-hmm. for an hour and a half, and it burned the battery down like about forty percent. Um, so and and doing three D scans with three D app in the backyard can kick in the battery, but it's it seemed about equivalent to what you'd expect. I wouldn't say it shocked me at how amazing the battery was, but it was fine. Well, yeah, it sounds like, you know, as much hard horsepower, as much of these bells and whistles that have jammed into the new iPad Pros, it still can't really replace your computer. Uh, and really, if you are looking for a new iPad, you're probably better off with a basic iPad or iPad Air. Yes, I think definitely. I mean, you know, on the other hand, you know, I don't want everyone to like get upset if like suddenly they buy that and then Apple announces in like a month that like there's going to be a whole Mac mode on the iPad Pro or something. You know, that's what I would say is like just if you're really going to lay down money, just I, I normally don't say wait till WWDC for someone buying something. But this year, I'm curious if they're going to say if anything's coming this year that's going to make those iPad Pros do really something significant with software. And if they don't, then I'd say, yeah, you can get something that's not this powerful. But I the power... It's like they slapped an M1 in there and you go, okay, that's cool. But the mind leaps to, I keep thinking about when this will, if not become a Mac, at least, come on, you know, become closer or dovetail with it. Be something that I don't have to have a MacBook. As it is, I think it's hard to top the MacBook Air right now. I, it's it's um, it's really perfected. Yeah. Well, Scott, thanks for your time and your, your impressions of the iPad Pros. You can check out his review on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.